If you recently received a WERU membership renewal letter in the mail, please send in your contribution right away. Our pledge drive begins on Saturday, June 5th, and your mail-in renewal helps to provide the head start towards our quarterly goal. Every membership dollar raise goes into running the community radio station you are listening to right now, WERU. And our volunteers and staff need your help to keep this station going strong. So please take a moment today to respond to that membership renewal letter sitting on your desk or kitchen table, or go online and pledge securely at weru.org. And thanks for supporting Community Radio. Support for WERU comes from Fields Pond Audubon Center, a green design nature center in Holden with walking trails, a nature store, pond access, and educational programs about habitat conservation for people of all ages. More information at mainaudubon.org or 989-2591. Support for WERU also comes from Southwest Cycle, celebrating nearly 30 years of providing bicycle sales, service, and rentals to the Downies community. Located at 370 Main Street in Southwest Harbor, 244-5856 or online at southwestcycle.com. The time is 10.01 and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill and streaming online around the world at WERU.org. The debut of Mofka's Common Ground radio show is up next. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural edition of Mafka's Common Ground Radio Show. This is an hour-long, uh, an hour-long monthly radio show uh, that's designed to cover the gamut of uh, food and agricultural issues in Maine and elsewhere. Uh, hosted by uh, several staff members of the uh, Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Uh, I'm Andrew Marshall. I'm the Educational Programs Director at MOFCA, and I'm joined in the studio with, uh, by uh, several of my fine colleagues that we'll get to meet just a little bit later. But first, I'm gonna, just going to talk briefly about the uh, spirit of the show, what we hope to accomplish here, um, and, uh, and how we're going to sort of proceed forward. Uh, the show is, is essentially designed to take uh, Mafka's knowledge and networks and understanding and connections and um, uh, provide a format for those on the radio. So um, we are going to initially begin with a kind of a, a live call-in uh, guest-oriented uh, radio show format uh, with, with guests that hopefully will be of interest to everyone on topics ranging uh, across the gamut of, of main agricultural food systems, uh, farming, um, and other issues uh, broadly related to that. Um, so such things as uh, how-to segments on gardening and food processing, things rural living things. Uh, we're going to talk about the sustainable food and farming movement. We'll have, hopefully, conceptual discussions on environmental issues uh, related to farming. And, of course, we're going to help everyone uh, meet their farmers. That's a big... Um, push of the of the organization as a whole, and we think this is a great venue to um, to celebrate the people who bring us uh, our local food. And so that's that's kind of our uh, our general direction for for the show. Um, 
and of course it's it's gonna um it's gonna be largely dictated by uh, the folks who are listening as well and um, so we're gonna spend a little bit of time later in the program uh, inviting people to call in and suggest topics and directions for the show so um, I'm gonna turn it over to my fellow guests now and allow them to introduce themselves and uh, Melissa Good morning, my name is Melissa White Pillsbury and I'm the marketing coordinator at MOFCA. Um, I help promote markets for local organic foods in Maine, try to raise awareness about farmers markets, community supported agriculture farms and other avenues for getting your food direct from Maine farmers. And I'm pleased to be here this morning and welcome you all out there to our newest endeavor. Hi, this is Cheryl Wixon, and I am uh, Mofka's organic marketing consultant, and I like to term myself as like the, the local foodie, and I'm the, the lucky person that gets to eat all the food. And I'm going to be uh, working with you folks uh, throughout the year. Um, I like very much to talk about uh, the main local 20, which is... Uh, Mofka's organic marketing strategy, and it's really the way that we're going to try to help put more Maine food on Maine plates. And hi, I'm Russell Libby. I'm Mofka's executive director, and uh, really pleased to be here, and also really pleased that uh, to have this partnership with WERU. We've worked together for a long time um, through the Common Ground Fair at various events, and it's really um, the kind of community building radio station that's part of what we all need to be doing. Um, and we do have a guest in the studio today, and uh, in a few minutes we'll be getting to uh, Joe Barrett from King Hill Farm. But first we're going to talk a little about the, the overall what's happening in Maine, what, what you can find to eat right now, and um, Cheryl and Melissa are going to take that. Right. Well, we've started a series of seasonal brochures that um, promote the main local 20 that Cheryl just mentioned. The, the main local 20 are 20 foods that are grown in Maine that can be sourced year-round or close to year-round. Um, and we've started this series of brochures to promote those 20 products as well as what's available seasonally in Maine. And recently we published the first of the series um, that covers what's in season in May and June. And um, so that those are products that you can find right now at farmers markets that are opening across the state. And um, for those of you who are members of uh, CSA, that you'll start to see coming in your, your CSA share boxes if you haven't started getting them already. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The brochures include recipes that help people utilize what's in season, what's, what's bountiful at this time of year, and um, in future recipes, we'll also be giving tip. Uh, sorry, in future brochures, we'll also be giving tips about um, storage and other kinds of processing, freezing, etc. So we're really trying to help educate the public on eating seasonally, being aware of what's available seasonally, and um, sourcing more of their food from local farms. So if you are going to go out to your local farmer's market, and this morning I know at 10 o'clock there's one in Stonington, and tomorrow morning there'll be one in Blue Hill, you will probably be finding rhubarb, asparagus, radishes, probably salad turnips and scallions, maybe even a few peas for those folks that got them planted a little early this year because we have such a great season starting out. Fiddleheads, 
culinary herbs like chives and parsley, and lots and lots of greens. These greens are great for you. They're great tasting, and that's what keeps you going. Beet greens, bok choy, chard, dandelion greens, kale, spinach, lettuce, and maybe even a few turnip greens. You can find these brochures at lots of your local food store, local natural food stores or co-ops, um, other businesses that are interested in, in supporting local agriculture. You can also get a PDF of the brochures on our website. That's www.mofka.org. And look for the next brochure to come out in about a month. One of the recipes that we are featuring uh, on the May and June uh, local seasonal uh, brochure is a blueberry rhubarb crumble. And this uses uh, frozen Maine wild blueberries and fresh Maine rhubarb. The recipe is great because it, we're also utilizing Maine maple syrup and Maine honey, so it's not made with sugar. So it's a really healthy and very delicious, I know, because I've tested it on lots of folks. So I think you'll really enjoy it. I had some for breakfast, so I can swear that it's a good recipe. Um, you know, I, I wanted to go back for just a second to the Maine Local 20. You know, one of the ideas that we've been working on is how do we, how do we build capacity in the state? How do we build um, a dense food system so that it's not just a treat to get local organic foods. It's, you, know, you can really embed it in what you do every day. Um, and if you have a garden, it's easy. And if you're a CSA shareholder, it's getting much easier than it used to be. But you know, if you're going to the store and you don't have a, a lot of easy access, you these 20 foods are things that you can get almost year-round. Um, fruits, blueberries, and apples. And uh, the basic range of vegetables, carrots, storage crops, um, potatoes, dairy products like milk and cheese. And we really want to encourage people to be thinking about using the 20 easily available main foods as kind of the foundation of your diet as really an essential part of how you think about uh, approaching your meals. And we know it's possible because there are so many people who use uh, way more foods than this, a broad range, um, almost all of their, you know, some people are fanatic enough, Cheryl, um, so that they use almost all main foods in their diet. And uh, this is how we're going to both support our farmers and fishers, um, but also how we build community, because when we're supporting one another, we have, uh, we have this extraordinary chance to um, step outside of the, the big economy and build the local economies that support one another. Yeah, Russell speaks about building community, and I'll have to share with you that uh, he's right. I, I eat just about everything from Maine, and um, I'm very fortunate. I have uh, two CSA shares from King Hill Farm, and uh, this will be the fourth year in the row that I've had these shares from uh, the wonderful folks at King, King Hill. But it's going to be the second year that I've taken one of my CSA shares and traded with my friends, the lobster harvesters, so they have fresh vegetables every week, and I have fresh vegetables and lobster every week. It's a wonderful opportunity to, to um, you know, have everyone in the community enjoy local, fresh, seasonal, organic foods. 
And my lobster harvester and, and his wife, they look forward to those vegetables every week. As a matter of fact, um, they're the ones that, that contact me in January and want to know, are we still going to get that CSA this year? So I, I can speak for that. I think that uh, we're very, very fortunate to have a, a great community here in, in this area of uh, farmers and fishing people. For those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to Common Ground, an hour on local food and agriculture hosted, on, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. This is our inaugural show, and the format is widely influenced by the people who are going to be listening and, who, and let us know what they want to hear from us. So later on, we'll be taking calls to take your input as well as to ask questions of our guest, Joe Barrett of King Hill Farm. Great, and I, I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to introduce and welcome Joe to our show as the f very first guest. Um, I uh, have known Joe for 15 years or so, and uh, she and her farming partners were uh, an incredibly powerful, formative force in my own personal farming trajectory. Um, I worked with Joe um, in my first full season as a farming apprentice uh, back in uh, the early 1990s. And uh, little did I know uh, how important that season would be on sort of my, my life path. And uh, with some perspective on that, uh, it's, it's really been pretty amazing. And, and to maintain a relationship with Joe and um, for these years has been has been incredible and so uh joe welcome to common ground thank you glad to be here uh we'd uh, love it if you could just uh talk a little bit uh by way of introduction about your operation um your farm and and uh and um and then we can go from there well we have a we live in north penobscot and we have a 160 acre home farm uh, about 40 acres of which is open, and that includes pasture and garden space. And then we have another beautiful piece of land on Route 15, if you travel that way. It's that big open field in that nasty curve <laughs> right near the Penobscot Orland town line. That's 130 acres, about 28 of which is open. And we use that mostly for uh, hay and grain, but we do uh, graze animals there sometimes too. Um, we are a diversified farm. We're basically an overgrown homestead. We really focus on growing our own food first. And so when we give food out at the CSA or take food to farmer's market, it's kind of an extension. It's like an overgrown homestead garden. <laughs> uh, we, we have livestock. We have kind of basically three enterprises. There's the livestock, mostly lambs and beef. And we have summer gardens, which we use for principally for CSA and also at farmer's market. And then we have fall root crops that we sell throughout the winter to co-ops and health food stores down the coast. Great. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your uh, approach to farming and agriculture and what your, your philosophical approach is? <laughs> um, well, on a serious level, our approach to agriculture is to take care of the soil, take care of the land first and foremost, and make every decision revolve around how good 
that practice is ultimately for the life in the soil and for the landscape. That's whether we're harvesting timber or grazing animals or raising a garden or whatever. Um, we don't pay ourselves very well in terms of cash, but we pay ourselves richly in terms of food security and quality and um, our social networks and so forth. We feel rich indeed based on that. So how's the, how's the 2010 season shaping up so far and, and what's been some of the unique I know every farming season always is a little bit different than the one before. Uh, so what, is, what have been the opportunities and challenges this, this season so far? Well, I think I'm going to go politician on you and, and answer the question I want to answer, <laughs> <coughs> which is that good to me. 2009 was a nightmare. Um, my husband, who um, is the brains behind the operation, the person who set up all these systems that we're using, had a debilitating stroke. And I was in a car accident and I'm left with a neck injury that's getting better. Um, and we had that horrible weather, which made everything get every fungal disease, you know, fungal diseases I never knew existed that I now am all read up on. Um, it, was, it was really a bad year. And we were just in reaction mode, and we managed to fulfill our CSA um, shares and go to farmer's market, and we kept things going thanks to a young couple named Paul Schultz and Amanda Preventure, who came to be journey people with us last year and ended up running the farm and learning as they did things, and um, they're responsible for the fact that our farm is still going. Uh, so last year was hard on everybody, and this year it just feels like heaven because we get to make plans, we get to organize, we get to think things through and carry them out according to something besides just reactionary <laughs> living and um, and the weather's been nice and we're trying to just grow our CSA and and um, enjoy the ability to farm in this way um, we've been making plans since winter and we're carrying them out and it just feels really good mm, that's great uh, you talked a little bit about some of the other partners in your farm Paul and Amanda but um, you, you also uh, have been sort of a magnet for young people to come and learn and work with you on your farm for how long? A long time. Well, longer than I've been there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been there since 91, but my husband Dennis has had apprentices since probably the 70s, sometime I would guess, late 70s. I, I, my guess is that well over 60 people have apprenticed at the farm. I know of about 45 since I've been there. Mm -hmm. And could you talk a little bit more about um, your approach to that that sort of use of of uh, labor and and um, and uh, what sort of impact that's had on on the, the sort of the, the the shape of the farm and how it works? And I know when I when I was there, um, it took me a couple months before I was really a sort of a productive <laughs> factor on the farm. And before that was fast for you, Andrew. That's <laughs> Maybe it was a little longer. Uh, but before that, I, I was definitely a liability. 
Um, I broke a lot of stuff, and I remember spending a bunch of time in the in the shop learning how to use a cutting torch and <laughs> fixing it. Um, and and so that you know that t that takes a lot. Of, that takes a particular approach to to farming to to allow that your farm to be sort of a laboratory like that. And to but it has a, such an incredible impact on on the future generations of farmers. And so, well, when we have apprentices. I'm a teacher as well as a farmer, and so we really believe in using the farm as an educational tool, whether it's having school groups up or when I was a teacher, I had my students out all the time to do stuff. And in terms of apprentices, I mean, we really try hard to honor the contract, which says, not an official contract, it's a moral contract, that says we will trade young people, apprentices, uh, experience and learning for their labor. So, you know, there are, there are some days when you just have to weed 300 row feet of carrots and that's all there is to it. But there are other days when we can give you the opportunity to take a piece of equipment out and use it and learn how to fix it if you break it. And, and that's part of, um, that's just part of the cost of doing business. It is hard on the equipment to teach new people. It really is. And we have to be really careful about safety considerations and about the bottom line in terms of replacing things. But um, it's delightful, and you were delightful. <laughs> and oh. I remember you with the milk cow particularly. You had such a bond with her, and you were so good with her. She didn't even like men, really, but she liked you. <laughs> um, so it's great. I mean, I love the energy, too. It keeps me young. I think, to have young people come along. You know, it can make you crazy. What else? So, but overall, it's wonderful. And, and one of the things I've noticed, Joe, is that a lot of King Hill Farm apprentices uh, have ended up buying farms and um, farming on the Blue Hill Peninsula. So, uh, you know, I was just trying to think uh, Noah and Robin were there. and um, Alice and Gladstone Waters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Lindholm. Yeah. Uh, gosh. Else. I know I'm going to forget people. Oh, yeah, Joe Hermans and Emily Disney Hoey, who are now married and have two beautiful children. Um, so are Robin and Noah. Um, I, I'm forgetting somebody, I'm sure. But yeah, it's nice. It's very nice to have them nearby. Because I, I think that's one of the powerful bonds that comes out of the, the apprenticeship kind of cycle is people realize, hey, not only do we want to do this, but it's also. Um, we can be part of this community, and there's a support structure in a, in a bunch of places. You know, King Hill and Darthea and a lot and Horsepower Farm. Just you know, just a few from right around here that have really helped to get a whole bunch of next generation farmers started through the years. This might be a good time to mention Mofka's new farmer training programs and kind of how those have gone in recent years. Andrew, if you want to. Sure, yeah, that's, that's one of the programs that I work on is, um, and, and we have developed over the past five years that I've been lucky enough to work for MOFCA is, is what we call our new farmer training programs, which are uh, twofold and sort of two stages. We have an apprenticeship program that we've talked a little bit about and that King Hill Farm has been a real integral participant in. Uh, and we have something called a journey person program, which is sort of the next step beyond apprenticeship that works to support people who have really made that commitment to try to work 
um, towards developing their own farm business um, and farming independently. And uh, Joe and, and Dennis have also supported uh, several journey people over the years as well. Uh, and Paul and Amanda are, are participants in that program. And, and we've been able to grow uh, with the, the really enormous and exploding interest in, in sustainable and organic and local agriculture among young folks over the past five years. We've, we've been able to grow that program from about five participants to right now we have 50 around the state, which is, uh, and it's just a wonderful, vibrant community. Um, and it's a real pleasure to be able to to support those folks and give them the, this, the, the network and, the, and hopefully some of the resources that may, um, may help them to get established. I will say that last year when Paul and Amanda were kind of, you know, learning by the seat of their pants, they had mentor farmers through the Journey Person program at Fisher Farm in Winterport. And, you know, there were a lot of times when um, Beth and Dennis provided information to them that really helped our endeavor. So that was a nice bonus for us. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think we should probably remind folks that this is a, a new radio show on WERU that's hosted by um, us at, at MOFCA, the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. And uh, we're in the studio with, uh, there's five of us packed in here, um, a bunch of folks from MOFCA, plus Joe Barrett from King Hill Farm. And, uh, and we're talking about farming in general and, and some of the, the programs that MOFCA has. Uh, and we're going to take some phone calls starting. We're going to take a break in a few minutes, and then, and then afterwards we're, we're going to open up the phone lines. And if, if, um, if anyone ha would like to call in and, and raise any issue uh, or have questions for Joe, questions for any of us in the studio here, um, or uh, we would really like your guidance and suggestions about um, different topics and opportunities for exploration, deeper exploration of, um, of, of stuff that, uh, that affects us all in the food and ag uh, landscape in Maine. So I would encourage folks to, uh, to start calling. Uh, the number in the studio here is 207-469-0500. So after a short break, we'll be back and uh, we'll can you continue our discussion. Wipe the trouble from your brow The night is gonna cover you with her shroud Dream of little angels Let them carry from burden and as you close your heavy 
Hey, welcome back. It's uh, Andrew Marshall here for Mafka with uh, um, the inaugural edition of Mafka's Common Ground Radio Hour, and I'm joined in the studio with uh, four of my three of my colleagues, and one good friend and uh, Joe Barrett from King Hill Farm. And it, it sounds like we have uh, a phone call. So, um, welcome to the Common Ground Radio Hour. Thanks. Thanks. Hi, do you have a, have a question or comment? I do. My name is Derek. I'm in the, uh, I've just come back from some travel time, and I experienced a, a huge network of young people uh, woofing, doing their internships at farms uh, throughout Europe and even some people in Asia. And I just wondered if Maine benefits from the broader community of uh, youth around the world and maybe of people of all ages who are interested in learning more about farming. Uh, I know Mofka's presence here in the state is, is huge, but does that network extend farther afield? And maybe is there a need for it to extend farther afield? Maybe Maine is, is doing well uh, through Mofka, providing for local farmers um, within its borders. So just uh, curious about that uh, and how Maine fits into the broader picture. Uh, this is Joe from King Hill Farm. Uh, yeah, we are part of the Wolf Network. My husband has gone wolfing in New Zealand mm, about three or four times. And uh, uh, Amanda and Paul, who are managing our farm right now, have done wolfing in many countries around the world. And we've hosted many woofers uh, from, you know, any from the United States, from the UK, from Malaysia, from Australia. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it, it kind of brings the world to your doorstep, and uh, people have a really good experience. I mean, we've had woofers who have come saying they'd stay two weeks, and they stayed two months. So it's, it's really a wonderful program. It's a, very fun for me. Joe, could you talk a little bit about the different approaches you have with uh, maybe full-term or year-long apprentices and, and woofers? Oh, yeah. Well, I was talking about the, the moral commitment to provide education to apprentices. And with woofers, it's a totally different thing. I mean, you don't owe them an educational aspect. You owe them uh, a tent pad and three squares a day, you know. And the, the general contract there is that they, the woofers give half a day of work for every day that you're putting them up. That's a, that's a really general rule. Um, but sometimes people will work for two solid days and then go camping in Acadia or something like that and pack food from the farm, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it, but some of them just come and work. I mean, they just want to work, and they just work full time. And, and sometimes when a woofer is, has that attitude, we do end up kind of trying to give them more of an educational experience. Mm -hmm. I think I would add that a lot of Mafka apprentices take advantage of woof because in the down season in the winter, they go traveling to other farms in you know either other parts of the country or other parts of the world and get those kinds of experiences Derek was talking about and then bring them back to their to their next experience. So it is a big part of the network. So Derek, uh, did you have anything else to add to that? No, that's great. I, I appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot for your call. And I think we do have another another call. So welcome to Moffa's Common Ground. Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. 
you have mentioned year-round access to main crops, and I wonder if you could make some comments about uh, permaculture and storage methods. Thank you. Sure. Well, I can talk to you first a little bit about storage methods. The uh, year-round crops that we're primarily focusing on uh, in the main local 20 would be uh, your root crops that would be traditionally stored in a root cellar, although I know a lot of folks uh, in today's contemporary homes may not have a root cellar. But some of our farmers actually do keep these crops on their root cellars, so to speak, and store them on the farm. And then throughout the uh, winter months, we'll sell them. For example, I know Joe uh, at King Hill Farm. I happen to have still left a few rutabakers. <laughs> they came from your storage. So um, maybe Joe will talk a little bit about how they do do their winter storage of crops. Well, we have a below-ground dirt floored root cellar that uh, is insulated on the top so that it doesn't get too warm in the warm weather and doesn't get doesn't freeze in the freezing weather and we just put tons and tons of root crops down there in the in the fall and it stays just above freezing and at pretty much 100% humidity and so you know you can in a normal year you could pull a carrot out of there in April and it would still snap now this year it got warm really early and that was a problem for us uh, so we get to keep those things from freezing and from getting too warm basically for free after the place is built. You don't have to run compressors, you know, refrigeration. So it's, it's a really important part of our farm, certainly, because we pull things out of there about a ton at a time every two weeks all winter and sell them. Yeah, the other, the other question you asked was about permaculture. And you know, there are groups around Maine that are really focused on permaculture. You know, I think the role that Mafka has played in that conversation is really um, the parallel one about how do you build long-term soil fertility, composting, systems that, um, systems that integrate soil and crops and livestock. Um, we are um, co-hosting the Northeast Permaculture Conference at the fairgrounds on uh, in Unity on July 2, 3, 4. So if you're really interested in that broader permaculture conversation, um, people from all around the Northeast are coming to Unity, and you can register online at... Uh, now I'm going to let Melissa read it because I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> yeah. It's northeastconvergence.wordpress.com. And you can link through the Mafka website. We have a; it's up on our calendar. Also, um, you know, one of the one of the concepts of um, permaculture is really that you're trying to integrate all these different crops, and um, it's really been a challenge, I think, to work out systems that prove themselves over time. So, you know, everyone's always sharing knowledge. It's great to hear when people have successes, so we can pass them on. Yeah. Um. Getting back, uh, yo, are you still there? No, yo is not there. Okay, we're still learning the ropes here at the studio. So, um, and getting back to the to the question of of storage, which is is really a, f a fundamental component of of you know, being able to provision ourselves uh, with local food um, in the off season. Uh, and there, there's really been a, um, a push. Uh, uh, to to expand the infrastructure of cold storage and and uh, 
thankfully, we're seeing a, a lot of, of farms that are um, that are extending their seasons both sort of passively and actively uh, with, through uh, the development of of uh, more uh, uh, sophisticated and and um, and well-designed storage storage systems, uh, and also through uh, season extension, things like uh, si simple as uh, as um, growing in cold frames and and uh, high tunnels, and things like that. So, uh, as we uh, really take this these issues of of, of provisioning ourselves with local food more and more seriously, and learn um, how to sort of rediscover those those methods that ha that have uh, uh, have been lost uh, with sort of a, uh, the d development of a, of a global food system. And uh, as farmers are increasing their capacity to supply the local markets, those markets are also developing. There's um, a growing number of, of farmers markets that are um, going through the winter now and um, a growing number of CSAs also. Um, and we should, pro should probably take a step back. And we've mentioned CSAs multiple times, but we haven't you know, we don't want to be too lingo-oriented here, so we should probably, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, CSA stands for uh, Community Supported Agriculture, and it's a way for a member of the community to support a local farm by buying a share in the farm, and that could be either for um, summer produce or uh, storage crops throughout the winter, and um, generally you pay a, a lump sum up front or in installments, and then um, either weekly through the summer or sometimes in the winter, it's on a bi-weekly or monthly basis, you get a box or some um, quantity of products throughout that season. Uh, Joe, um, you've developed a, a, ver a, a really robust uh, winter um, way of basically um, providing food for people year-round. Could you talk a little bit more about how that developed? And you're talking about the winter root crops? Yeah. Yeah. We we put somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 tons of root crops, which include, which are mostly carrots, but also have parsnips, several kinds of beets, uh, rutabagas. Cabbage? Nope. No, okay. no, that's not part of that. Um, and so, as I said, we pull about a ton every two weeks up and wash it and put it in 25-pound bags. And deliver it from, you know, Blue Hill to Belfast to Damariscotta, Rockland, um, all the way down to uh, Scarborough is our southernmost delivery point. And that's, that's really a departure for us because in the summer we, we market as close to home as possible. Like most of our CSA members are either from Penobscot or from a town that borders on Penobscot. Very few are farther afield than that. So in the summer we really focus on hyperlocal. But in the winter, it works for us to go down, kind of follow Route 1 down the coast mm -hmm. with those veggies. Yeah, another uh, methodology that we haven't talked about uh, a little bit is uh, freezing. And that, uh, things like Maine wild blueberries and uh, ground meat are things that are available on a year-round basis because of the freezing capacity. So. Great, thanks. Uh, sounds like we have another caller, and sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, hi there, welcome to Common Ground. Hi, <clears throat> I'm delighted to hear um, about this new program because MOFCA has taken the lead role in pressuring the Pesticide Control Board to stop uh, chemical uh, applications uh, that, that poison organic crops. 
um, I would hope that uh, since the um, decision-making process on some new rules are in process, there would be an entire show dedicated to what's been happening with um, two attempts during the last two legislative sessions to develop a rule uh, governing the, the buffers, the distances um, that would protect organic farms. And um, if you could talk a little bit now about what, what those prescribed distances are and how the Pesticide Control Board can help to um, overcome some of the problematic um, parts of the, of the latest rule that, that got uh, sabotaged in the, in the uh, Agriculture Committee and also prescriptions for signage, which is something that I don't think people know very much about, and we need to get some letters to the editor in to uh, help people understand what their rights are. Thanks. Um, this is Russell. So uh, um, the Board of Pesticide Control is going through rulemaking procedures right now on how they're going to address the issue of um, pesticide notification, essentially letting people know about spray, um, there are two two really important things for listeners. One is that if you want to be on the registry for this year, the deadline is fast approaching. I believe it's June 15th. Yeah. Um, so you can contact the Board of Pesticide Control either through their website or through um, phone call and get signed up on the registry so, um, so neighbors um, tell you in advance of spraying. The second is that the board is going through rulemaking and there's a hearing in Machias on... Um, I believe it's 2425, the, the Thursday, Friday of that week, where they're going to address a bunch of these issues and sort out um, and hear from people in, in Washington County primarily about um, issues that they have or concerns they have and how to, how to try to balance those out. So it would be really good to have a good public presence at those hearings. The contact information for that is uh, up on the uh, on the MAFCA website and also on the Board of Pesticide Control um, website. So uh, thank you for that call. We really encourage people to participate and speak up and um, keep informed on all these issues on a regular basis. Okay, great. It sounds like we have another caller waiting. Could you tell us your name and where you're calling from? Yes, it's Frank Donnelly calling you from Lemoyne. Hi, Frank. Do you have a question or a comment? Um, well, both. Uh, I'm, part, I'm part of, I helped start a, along with other people, about a year ago, we started a, a community meal at Ellsworth called Everybody Eats at Ron King of Dennis, of King Hill Farm Volunteers out at also. And it'd be nice um, if we could, you know, get food from the local we never had. We always get it from Lowe's and Fishers or go to Hannaford buy stuff. We have soups, lasagnas. That kind of stuff. Every and fruit salad and a garden salad. Um, I guess I'm, I'm going toward the, the lower end of the, the the food stamp part of Maine. I'm I'm going at as my comment here. Yeah, it'd be nice to somehow. I mean, I know farmers can't take food stamps because that's too much paperwork. But it'd, it'd be nice if there was a central if one one outfit took the food stamps and dessert it who would be a good target audience to eat better food, in my mind. Um, 
everybody that used to eat so organic farms uh, have the have the brain power to eat an organic farm, or the or the, or the money. To, it's not that much more expensive. I'm not saying that, but we could tap into the the lower end of the economic ladder here in Maine with the organic farming situation. Is my point. Um, Hi, this is Joe with King Hill Farm. I do want to say that part of our CSA is what we call a, a reduced price membership, and our members voluntarily contribute money. Our regular share price is $425, and so far this year, our members collectively have contributed $817 to a fund to help defray the cost of a share for low-income families. So the, the low-income family gets the share, gets a full share worth $425 for $200, which is a tremendous bargain. So that's, you know, that's enough fresh fruits and veggies for a family of four for 16 weeks. All that's organic. good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I called in so we heard that. This is, um, oh, sorry. This is Melissa. Um, there's actually quite a bit going on in the state as far as increasing access to local foods for lower income households. Um, more and more farmers are becoming vendors for the, the EBT. Um, it's actually called SNAP now rather than food stamps. Um, but um, that number of years ago when they transitioned to the electronic system, it kind of cut out farmers and, and farmers markets. But they've, they've been coming up with ways of overcoming some of those obstacles. So more and more farmers markets and individual farmers do accept food stamps now, which is a positive um, turn. And then um, there are other food assistance programs that um, help increase access to local foods like uh, the WIC program, Women, Infants, and Children, um, excuse me, have a, a couple different benefits that allow um, them to, to access produce local from local farms. Um, and then there, there are many other farms that do programs similar to what Joe does to, to kind of supplement um, the cost of, of CSA shares so that they can um, have more access to, for low-income families. Because farmers are very sensitive, I, I think, in general to um, making their food available and, and accessible to, to all Mainers, not right. just the people who have the, or of a right. certain income that bracket. That right. Let's go. I'm glad for all the information. I'm going to hang up so I can hear the radio. Thanks for your call, Frank. It sounds yeah. like we have one. Oh, oh I'm just, sorry. Just one more, one more observation on that. Um, this is Russell. I just came back from several days of meetings in Washington, and, you know, it's really clear that, um, Congress is sensitive to this issue and is trying to make sure that good food is accessible to everybody regardless of income level. And there are some new benefit programs targeted at fresh fruits and vegetables that we really want to encourage. So, Thanks, Russell. Uh, it sounds like we have another caller on the line. Could you tell us your name and where you're calling from? Hi, I'm uh, Zachary Fowler calling from Appleton, Maine. Um, I, been, I bought land five years ago and I turned turned a little acre into like farm for myself and uh, trying to be self-sufficient and I'm um, looking at you know getting out of working and and being self-sufficient and I was looking at um, selling my produce to, to make some money to keep going and uh, I was wondering what you could tell me about um, becoming organically certified so that I could get um, more for my produce because I grow everything organically well the it's Russell again the there are a couple of stages. One is if you want to get, if you're selling more than $5,000 worth of food and labeling it as organic, then you're um, under federal law supposed to be certified. So that's kind of the boundary. Up to 5000 you need to be following the 
the national rules that organic farmers across the country follow, but you can still use the term organic uh, up to that point. MAFCA really encourages everyone who's selling organic food to get certified so that we can um, both communicate and um, show the, the growing diversity of what's happening out there. Right now, there's about 400 certified organic farms in the state. The deadline for this year is for crop production is June 30th. That's the drop-dead deadline. Yeah. <laughs> Applications need to be in. But essentially, um, all of that information is available on the on the MAFCA website is downloadable. You, you essentially have to, to show that your farm has been farmed without the use of synthetic fertilizers or pesticides for the past three years and fill out an application. It's um, There's a fee involved and you get um, somebody comes and inspects and verifies. There's a cost-sharing program which takes the cost down pretty significantly, particularly for small farms. So 75% of your certification fee is um, reimbursed at the end of the year through a cost-sharing program. And if you contact the MAFCA office, Zach, I know somebody would be happy to kind of walk through the process with you. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, thanks for your call, Zach. There's one more, one more caller on the line. Hi there. Welcome to Common Ground. Can you tell us who you are and where you're calling from? Yes, good morning. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, incoming calls, so just um, I'm ignoring it. Um, I just wanted to back up uh, the caller about pesticides. Uh, Russell just stated that your, your farm is certified as long as you haven't had uh, synthetic fertilizers and pesticides. Uh, I come from Washington County, and way back in the day, before we had a board of pesticides, there were many of us who organized and protested and worked very hard to bring the issue of spraying on the blueberry fields and its drift um, into the consciousness of state government. We then finally got a board of pesticides, and so we're talking 30 years now, 30 years and we still have not solved the issues of the differences between treating your land with synthetic fertilizers and pesticides and trying to grow organic. There were so many people who gave lots of their time and energy and money to try to bring this consciousness to the people of the state of Maine. And here we are 30 years later, and not much has happened. We need to get behind this and settle the issue once and for all. And we also do need to solve a lot of the problems that have been brought up today about people who are poor being able to access or so find some way to get educated and to grow and have access to clean land to do so. But I would really like to urge everyone to get up there to Machias and get it hammered out because we don't have much more time to waste intellectualizing or otherwise about this very specific issue, synthetic fertilizers and pesticides versus treating the land cleanly and fairly and producing healthy, vitali vital vitalized food. So uh, I, can't even, I can't even begin to tell you how frustrating it is to realize that this much time has passed and we've built up such a beautiful organization and I was part of the original part of this. And I've seen how the ways, how it's unfolded. And I'm really glad for all the people that have come into the state of Maine, as well as those of us who recognized early on that we needed to go a different way. Mosque has been incredibly successful because of the talent 
and the money and the expertise that has been brought to this effort. And it's a beautiful effort. It's a wonderful way of life in spite of the setbacks. But we really need to get down to that very simple dichotomy. That's all there is to it. Thank you. Bye. That that is the that is the work in front of all of us is how to how to build this, make it broader, more inclusive, and um, and help a lot of farmers who are actually fairly open to making changes um, feel confident that they're going to be able to stay in business when they do. Yeah, one of the really encouraging pieces the last few years is that the University of Maine has invested a fair amount of research money in um, trying to find alternatives to some of the pesticides that um, are used not just in the blueberry industry but elsewhere and are making some progress. And um, that's a conversation that they wouldn't have really engaged in 20 years ago. So in that sense, we're making the little slow incremental progress and in the other, in two years, it's 50 years since Rachel Carson came out with Silent Spring. And obviously, um, at the higher level, we still haven't changed the way that people are going to approach these issues. To, um, and that's going to take a lot of people being involved. I appreciate that last call. I, uh, I guess it's a good time to remind everyone what we're listening to. This is Mafka's uh, Common Ground, a new monthly hour-long radio program dedicated to the uh, celebration and exploration of local food and farms and food systems and uh, anyone, anything else you guys want to talk about out there. Um, I wanted to maybe follow up on what Russell was talking about um, from my own perspective, which is seeing um, a really renewed and vibrant um, interest in food and agriculture issues among uh, youth and young people out there that um, that is really seems to me to be growing exponentially and, and just sort of statistically speaking um, uh, the number of uh, apprentice applications that have come across Mofka's desk in the past three years has more than tripled uh, and not all of those folks clearly are going to be uh, become organic farmers. Uh, we're lucky if we get 20% of those folks to continue on. But the rest of those people, 175, a couple hundred people a year, um, that spend a summer or uh, six months or a year working on a farm in Maine, um, that's an incredibly powerful sort of transformative experience for people. And, and all of those folks are going to be um, making different life choices because of that experience. And I think that we're um, really going to see that the, the, that uh, paying dividends over the long term. Um, and I, uh, so I'm pretty hopeful about that. Well, this hour has just flown by. We just have a few minutes left. So um, we have a few announcements of upcoming events that is, are taking place at MOFCA. Um, Russell already mentioned the North, that we're hosting the Northeast Permaculture, Permaculture Convergence. That's the weekend of, um, in, that's Independence Day weekend, July 4th weekend, at MOFCA's Common Ground in Unity. And um, you can find links to events and 
resources on our website, so all the resources I mentioned earlier, farmer's market list, CSA directory, all of those things can be found by linking through our website, which is www.mofka.org. And we do, uh, following up on the, the uh, um, apprenticeship theme, uh, Mofka puts together a, uh, a series, a weekly series of workshops during the sort of high growing season here in Maine, um, which are, are primarily designed for sort of beginner type farmers, folks who are just exploring these concepts for the first time. Uh, but they're open to anyone. Uh, and we call this the Farm Training Project. We had our first one last night at Gorenson Farm in Dresden, and there were 75 folks who showed up, and it was a great gathering. Um, our next one is going to be next Wednesday, June 9th, um, at 5 o'clock p.m. at uh, Mofka, and it's going to be in, sort of in a general introduction to farm equipment, uh, agricultural equipment, tractors, etc., and it'll give folks uh, an opportunity to not only learn about maintenance and operation, but also uh, get a get a chance to actually practice driving tractors and hooking up implements and such things like that. Uh, the, and check out the re the website for the rest of it, Cheryl. Our next show will be on Friday, July second. We're going to be celebrating Maine Food Independence Day, and we'll be hosting Paul Volkhausen from Happy Town Farm and Carrie Hansen. She and her husband Rich have Cleonice and Table in Blue Hill. And uh, just one more brief announcement. It sounds like uh, there's some issues with the transmitter. So af after our show ends, we'll be going off the air for about an hour to make some adjustments on the transmitter tower, uh, which will help will improve reception. But we'll still be streaming online at e www.weru.org during that time. So check us out on the computer. And this is Russell Libby. Just want to thank everybody who listened today and um, look forward to the future conversations. And some combination of two, three, or four of us will be here each month to visit with you. And if you have ideas for future topics um, or shows that you'd like to hear, or um, please feel free to let us know through Mafka. Thanks. Thank you. shape each other without understanding the forces that alter their forms how the wind and warmth that rolls from the hills makes the waves that shape the shore daughter of gravel Daughter of Clay. And we will be going off the air for about one 